0: Welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal, nothing is just business. Because it's all either intrapersonal, how we manage ourselves, or interpersonal, how we manage our relationships with others, both at home and at work. It's all about our personal skills muscles. In this episode, I talk to Rachel Dupre, a career coach for Rebels who, after successfully escaping her own cubicle, began helping others break free of their desk jobs and build unconventional careers that truly fit with who they are. From creative work, to side hustles, to starting a business. Now, that word, rebel, is one that I found to be the magic key in our conversation, which you will love, by the way, as Rachel takes us through her journey of becoming a coach for rebels and a rebel herself from rule follower extraordinaire, as she calls herself at some point. I'm sharing some nuggets of our conversation here. She talked about how she realized that she followed all the rules, did everything according to the rules, only to find out she was so unhappy. She also shares how asking the question, what else could be possible, can be a pivotal moment for so many of us. Of course, we talked about skills muscles and she shared some of the skills muscles that helped her make the shift from corporate to business and the ones that she had to work on growing and building we definitely had to talk about how some corporations lose so much talent because they're not flexible to make room for the various talents that people bring on the table and allow them to move where they fit best because All of us wanna contribute. We wanna make a difference and work with purpose. And we realize there's so much more that we can do. You will also find out why passion, values, and skills is the one place where we can find real magic and how to do that. So, are you ready? Let's create some magic. Rachel, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Thank
1: you so much for having me on, Roxana.
0: I'm so looking forward to this conversation with you today.
1: You and so, me both.
0: <laughs> before we dive right in, I wanted to ask you to briefly introduce yourself. Certainly.
1: So my name is Rachel Dupre, and I am a career coach for Rebels. So I specialize in helping people to break free of their cubicles and desk jobs and create unconventional careers that truly align with who they are on their own terms.
0: Oh, I love that. And you know what? I especially love the term Rebel. Mm. Like, uh, Where did that come from? Well...
1: When I originally started career coaching, I was I was helping people with fairly sort of conventional shifts. But I noticed pretty early on that the types of shifts that I was really enjoying helping people make were the kind where they went from a conventional kind of desk job into doing something different because how I got into career coaching was that I worked in corporate and I left to pursue my own very unique kind of career for myself. And so that was really the niche area that I wanted to work in and help people with. And so pretty early on in my coaching business, I was actually taking um, a coaching program. I was working with a coach and it was a group program. And at the time, I actually, I called myself originally a creative career coach because I wanted to help people pursue more creative types of careers. And the messaging that I was putting out there with this title, creative career coach, they just didn't seem to align very well. So actually we were sort of like brainstorming amongst this group of people in the group coaching program, like what are another way you can describe people who want to do things that are non-traditional and this word rebel popped up and immediately when I heard somebody it wasn't me who suggested it, it was somebody else and immediately I was like that's the word that's it because I latched onto it and I knew it I, I identified with it so I knew that the people that I wanted to help would also identify with it as well in some way shape or form
0: mm-hmm. so because you who said that you, identified with it too would you say that I don't know were you always a rebel
1: (laughs) not (laughs) even (laughs) close (laughs) I'm so glad you asked that I'm so glad you asked that so I growing up I was what I call a rule follower extraordinaire like I was the best kind of rule follower I was the A plus student teacher's pet I was the prize child I was the oldest so you know I was good at following the rules myself, but also making sure my younger brother was following them also. So not at all, not at all was I a rebel when I was younger. And even, I mean, I really didn't sort of embrace my rebellious identity or even acknowledge that I had a rebellious identity until really, I think when it was born was that I followed all of the rules. I did everything right according to society and what you should do in order to have you know, a great life and be successful and all of those things that were all sold, mm-hmm. you know, the dream. And I, I did everything and I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy with this very picture perfect life that I had created for myself, which I felt like I should have been happy with, but I just wasn't. And so that was really when I started to feel like, okay, I've been following the rules my whole life and following the rules has ended me up here where I don't want to be. And that I think was like the birthplace of this rebellious identity for me was in acknowledging that following the rules actually wasn't serving me. It wasn't helping me. Following the rules was actually hurting me. And my putting all these parameters in my life was not helping to get me where I wanted to go. And so that's when I started really pushing the boundaries of my own life and saying, what else could be possible? I can't do this. I can't do this nine to five desk job thing. I know that for sure. So what else could be possible? And that's when I started really looking for it and seeking it out and starting to make those big shifts in my own life. And I didn't even acknowledge really that maybe that was a rebellious identity, but I, when when I was in that group coaching program and somebody finally said that word, I really just like, that was the moment where I felt like, I feel like I've been completed. Like somebody put the final piece of the puzzle in, you know, and I just felt like that's the word. That's the word that describes this journey that I've been on to becoming someone who intentionally sort of pushes the bounds of what people say work can be and has created a pretty awesome life as a result and now gets to help other people do the same thing every day.
0: Yeah, uh, that does sound amazing and I know for sure that a lot of people who are listening to this episode will resonate with that and Mm. I was I was wondering because you and I were in in this space of making work a happier place in different ways but still Uh, we believe in the kind of work that makes people happy rather than feel depleted exhausted and completely desperately wanting to get out of it Um, but what made you when you look at your journey back um and you were you worked in corporate um you went through these stages what would you say that were some of the skills, muscles or superpowers that you had that actually helped you um, grow and move further on in, in this journey of yours that brought you here today?
1: I would say if I could zero in on, I think there would maybe be three things that were really big sort of driving factors for the shift. Not that necessarily helped me make the shift, but that were driving factors behind why I made the shift. So I in high school decided I wanted to be a journalist. That was the career I was ready to like go all in on.
0: I was and- going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, that okay. was that was it for me. That was the career that I really wanted to pursue when I was like 17. And I, uh, when I decided on it, I was like really excited to share it with like friends and family and teachers and all of that. Cause I felt like I finally made the bit like my first real grown up decision, you know? And, but when I shared it, a lot of people had very strong opinions about the fact that it wouldn't be a good choice. There's no money in that field There are no jobs in that field. And so I ended up actually changing my mind and going to school for business, which was like a very. It was a very challenging decision and has really been a sort of pivotal moment along my whole life, but creativity and writing were two of the big things that they never really went away. So even though I went down this business path and I was doing these very adult, you know, jobs, like, you know, there was like, I worked in creative environments. I worked in advertising and I worked in publishing. So I worked around creativity, but my role itself was there was little to none of that in it and i missed having an outlet i missed being able to express my creativity and i tried so hard to talk to my bosses to see if they would move me around to a different position that was more aligned with my skill set and and what i loved doing and they just weren't interested in doing that and so Creativity and my desire to be able to express my creativity specifically through writing, that's like my favorite way to express my creativity. Those were really the the biggest factors that made me say, if I can't do this work that I want to do in a corporate environment, I need to find another way to do it. And so how I sort of my, how I started moving away from corporate is that I started a blog, called a creative pursuit to help encourage people to pursue creative professions. So I got to use my creativity and my writing skills to do this blog. And then about a year after I started the blog, I actually quit my corporate job to uh, pursue the, the blog and grow it because that was a, a goal of mine, but also to start freelance writing. So those are the, my creativity and curiosity or creativity and my desire for writing were really the biggest push factors for getting me out of the corporate environment, but curiosity, which I just mentioned was another very big skill that I would say to this day is one of the most utilized skills that I have is this sense of curiosity. And, and because I, because I knew I wasn't happy in corporate, I spent a lot of years just feeling like, I guess this is how it is, but there was like a sort of a breaking point where I said, there has to be more than this. This can't be it. And that's really when the curiosity thing came in and it was a really beneficial skill for me to have during that time period was my curiosity was the sort of propeller that yeah. kept me thinking outside of this box. This is my now, but what is my future? What does that look like beyond this? And how it ended up sort of playing out was the blog and the writing the freelance writing, but the curiosity was really that the thing that even helped me to explore those as possibilities of things that I could do. So I think it would be, if I could zero in on like three skills that really sort of helped me during that time period would be creativity, my desire to, and passion for writing and curiosity.
0: Wow. And these Go so well with your initial intention of becoming a journalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think about it exactly. Um, and it's, but it's interesting also to see how you how you apply them now in a different in a different kind of environment, in a different role. Um, how you grew them along the way. And for me particularly, it's so sad to hear uh, that, you know, the corporate world has lost yet another talent because uh, they didn't want to build on your talent, on what you were bringing to the table. Absolutely. And I think we, we see that more and more happening um, and therefore a lot of people looking to become successful somewhere else.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. It truly is unfortunate. And yeah, I mean, I I see my journey from my own perspective, but also like I work with people every day who are walking a similar path that I did mm-hmm. at one point. And it, I'm, it's just it's so interesting that you said that because I, I never really had that perspective on it. I always had like the individual walking away from corporate as opposed to thinking about corporate losing all these incredibly talented people simply because they weren't willing to help that person utilize the skills that they love using. And it's always really strange to me that, that companies aren't interested in exercising that because what a lot of people are asking is not for the impossible they're not asking for something that doesn't already exist within the organization. They're just saying, hey, I'm here in this department. And yes, I know I do my job well here, but I would really love to be over there in that department instead. And so you're not asking for them to change the entire company so you can fit into it. You already see where you would fit better within the organization. And yet they still unfortunately a lot of organizations are still not interested in putting you where you know you would fit yeah. better and be a bigger contributor to the organization it's just it's always it's always confused me why there's not an openness to Let's talk about what you want to do here at this organization mm-hmm. and how we can help you succeed so that we can succeed because you're happy exactly. right like it it's it's very strange it's very strange and really unfortunate that that is the yeah. way that the corporate world is
0: yeah exactly and i mean that's what gets you more clients and that's what helps you help more people <laughs> But yeah. also, if, if we think about it, that's why people are running away from uh, roles like this because, and another another thing that we're still tapping into uh, and trying to figure out after so many years of the workplace existing <laughs> in the world is that people want to contribute. They, they want to yes. make a difference. They want to work with a purpose. and most often than not they they know what they can contribute with or 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 they realize hey there's there's much more than I can contribute with and here I am and I'm happy to and then we just are not interested it's like you know, oh, yeah. somebody, somebody making you like bringing you a gift and you saying, oh, no, thank you. I already have something like that.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's, That's a perfect <laughs> analogy. It's a perfect analogy. And I wonder, I've always, I think that one of the reasons why that happens is especially because like this, this desire to contribute is It's it's not new in a sense that that's sort of innate to humans in general, is that we we need a sense of meaning and purpose. But what has changed is that people are now looking to to have that from their work. There was a time and not that many years ago, like my grandparents generation and even part of my parents generation we're never looking for that from work. You got your purpose and your meaning and your contribution from things outside of work. But the thing is, is that people aren't necessarily getting those, those things outside of work anymore. And even if they are, your work is one of the biggest parts of your life. And it's, it's huge. Like we spend half of our waking hours in our life working. Yeah. So if you, the only time you're allowed to contribute is 50% of your life. It seems like you're kind of robbing yourself of all of this extra time that you could be contributing. And so it's really been like these younger sort of generations, like millennials, call them disruptors as much as you want, but they're one of the first generations that have said, it's got to be more than a paycheck. We're demanding that. And then Gen Z and all of these younger generations coming in. This is an expectation now because they've realized that why contribute only 50% of the time? Why feel like I'm contributing to society only 50% of the time and getting Mm -hmm. meaning out of my life only 50% of the time when I can get it a hundred percent of the time? Like, why wouldn't you want that? Right. And so we're asking organizations to suddenly have a sense of meaning and contribution for us when, depending on the age of the business, that is not at all how that business was built. The business was built for profit, right? Every business is built for profit, but certainly older organizations, like they're not set up to help employees thrive. They're set up to get a job done. And so now you're mm-hmm. coming in there asking for all of these extra things and they don't know what to do with that because yeah. that's not how their organization was built. It's So it's I think it's a kind of a clashing or a merging of of different generations sort of coming together and these older old school type businesses are saying Mm -hmm. well you don't get that here and we're saying why not
0: yeah exactly and that is the question that it all started with and I'm happy that you mentioned the the new generations because I work with with millennial new leaders Um, and what I hear from them over and over again is I don't want to be just another manager. I don't want to be the old type of leader. I wanna, I wanna lead different. I wanna be different. I wanna lead with purpose. I don't, I'm not interested in the status quo, and that's that's so refreshing to hear, especially with the Gen Z coming. And I've interviewed a few of them, um, and they all ask what is my purpose as an employer? What is my purpose? What do I want to do? What do I want my organization to contribute to the world? Mm -hmm. That is not a question that I was asking when I was interviewing for jobs. And that is so powerful to hear.
1: Yes, exactly. So there's like two layers of purpose now because people are seeking their own individual purpose, right? They want meaning for their own their own life but also this the millennials and gen Z and the younger ones are especially in tune to how a business is contributing to the world in that broader scale of what is your impact on the on the environment and people, how do you value people, the people that work for you, but also, people in general, in terms of like fashion brands, like expanding their size ranges to be like inclusive for different body types. Like this is huge, but this is all very new because of these younger generations saying, the purpose needs to be bigger. What are you, what are you doing to make the world a better place? Because what they're buying into now is, and really this is what I try to help people achieve in their careers is a values alignment. So mm-hmm. you're taking, you're going into a workplace and saying, these are the things that matter a lot to me. And what's your stance on these things? And how, how are you showing up to make the world a better place in these particular ways? And so what we're seeking now is that match of saying, I care about this particular aspect of the world, the environment, people, et cetera. And if you care about it too, match made in heaven. We're going to work mm-hmm. well together because we're working toward a common goal. But a lot of people don't have that. This is why a lot of career coaches, this is why the career coaching is a profession is because there, there is a big gap and people are saying, this is what's important to me, but this is not at all what's important to my employer. And I'm having a hard time getting up and going to work every day. that I'm Knowing that I'm working against my values or not in any way bettering Mm -hmm. what my values are in the world Mm -hmm. so it's a very it's a it's a period of awakening for a lot of people to what's important to them but also humanity and this whole planet and how we all are connected and working together and it's just you know we're we're asking the big questions now and it just so happens we're asking the big questions of these companies and they a lot of them haven't come up with a good answer yet
0: exactly exactly they're not even ready to hear the question yet <laughs> no no they are
1: not not even close they're really actually hoping you won't ask it is is yeah exactly the big thing yeah, right when yeah, they, when they interview yeah. you they're hoping you'll be somebody that won't ask the question yeah right because exactly. that would be hard that will be put them in a bit of a pickle right and they don't want to be sure. in that place so no
0: no but this is the only way we change Absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned the, the key word here, change, um, because I wanted to ask you because you also talked about, uh, and I love that when you talk about uh, value alignment and when you have your, your conversations um, with people who are looking for that something more to it, it starts from value alignment. And is that that's really one of the first steps that comes with this kind of change. Uh, And it might be a difficult conversation initially, I assume. Is it, how how does it start? Are people, do you find more aware of their own values? Some people are.
1: um, Some people are very aware of their values. They might not know that what they're talking about is a value system Mm -hmm. but they are aware i think most people i talk to are aware of at least a few things that are very important to them and i have an activity that in in my coaching program called the soapbox and the soapbox is a great way to help people get clarity around their values because essentially we all, we've all heard that term, get up on a soapbox, right? So the things that people get up on a soapbox about are the things that they are passionate about. And passion and value are highly intertwined. So if you can get clear on what you're passionate about, you can distill those passions down generally into values. And again, I think a lot of people are looking for, we look for the wrong things when we're looking for a job. Right. So a lot of people aren't even aware that, uh, discovering what their values are and then finding an organization that aligns with those values is where the, where the real, I call it career magic. That's where the career magic really lies. What people are looking for is like benefits packages and vacation and all of these very peripheral things to your day to day. Like that has nothing to do with what you're actually going to be doing in that job every day. So we're looking for the wrong things, but values, it's, I think it's something that people are becoming more aware that they need to have clarity on in order to navigate their sort of career journey. But that being said, a values alignment is not the only key. So the other key, and this is be right up your alley, is skills. So the real, like, if you could distill it down into like how to achieve career magic, it's discovering your values, finding an organization or a purpose if you don't want to work for a, another company, finding a way that you can do those values in the world, but then getting clarity around what the skills are that you love using the most, and then applying those skills in an area that's aligned with your values. That's the magic, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. lots of people who are using the right skills in the wrong Mm -hmm. environment, right? And they think I need to change careers. No, you just need to change environments, Mm -hmm. right? Or they found a values alignment with an organization, but they're doing the wrong work. So the skills alignment isn't there. So you've got to have both. And this is the really key thing is that you've got to know what skills you like using and be in a role where you're able to use them but also within an organization or a business that you've created, where you get to fulfill those values that you have, that's, that's yeah. the magic.
0: That's the magic, I absolutely agree. I love that you said that <laughs> and you know I do. <laughs> uh, yes, I, and absolutely, it's, um, it's the environment. And I think this is why we see um, also titles like the great resignations. <laughs> Yes, we're seeing now where people are looking okay maybe or maybe I don't even want to resign but I want to feel I'm creating a different kind of environment where I feel that I can thrive Uh, because what I think the pandemic has taught us is that we survival is just short term we can't be in survival mode all the time it's not. It it doesn't align with our need to grow and develop and really thrive. So that's yeah. why I, I love that you said that about creating the right environment or moving on to the right environment for you, um and where you can actually use the the skills that you have. It's like uh, if you if you're gonna have to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree (laughs) it will always feel pretty stupid (laughs) (laughs)
1: right (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) exactly
0: um and because you were talking about uh skills again going back to skills because i think when we look at them uh we're so used to not looking and really appreciating the strong skills muscles that we have and Mm -hmm. i loved i loved it that you did that you were very much aware of what they were for you and how they helped you um, and how strong they are because we typically ignore them because we're used to them of course we have them of course we're good at that isn't everybody I mean, exactly. You know, that's, that's the conversation. And then we focus a lot on those skills, muscles that are not so strong, those skills that we don't have and wish we had more of, but it's hard because those muscles, they're painful to use because we haven't used them for a while. And then they hurt when we use them because we're not used to using them. Yeah. But um, what would you say were those skilled muscles for you, the ones that you had to really work on strengthening? Oh, I would say the biggest
1: one that really impacted my business um, that I, I really had to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable with Um was anything related to public speaking. And I, I mean, this is very cliche because so many people have that fear, but I am an introverted person. So the idea of being the center of attention is not my forte in any way, shape or form. And even the, like my The reason why I started my business was not for me. It was to help other people. And so I never wanted to be the center of it, but it took some very wise business coaches that I've worked with over the years to help me see that I have to be present and visible within my business in order to be able to help people. Because if I'm just hiding behind the scenes all the time, nobody's going to know who I am. And they definitely won't want to work with me because they won't know who I am, and so that was a very big shift that I had to make in my mind. Because it's interesting that I think that some of these these um, what did you what did you call them the dormant skills like dormant skills muscles where it's hard to use them. I think some of them are dormant because we really just don't have. Um, like, it's not something that we excel in naturally. Like me in school, I was, I was a writer. I was great at English and communicating and all of those things. So like math and science, not really my jam, right? Not to say that those things couldn't have been, I couldn't have been better at those things, but I much preferred writing. But I also think that there is, we have dormant skills muscles around skill sets we feel intimidated to improve on. So public speaking is one of those things that a lot of people feel petrified of. But I really think the more that I talk to people and work with people is that we're afraid of becoming better at it because we are intimidated by this idea of being more visible. It goes against our entire wiring as a human being to be visible and stand out. So that was one of those dormant skills muscles that I really had to consciously put myself in situations where I felt very uncomfortable doing the thing whether it was a workshop or I was making an appearance on tv or whatever it might have been I had to put myself I had to say yes to things that I wanted to say no to with every cell of my body because I knew that it would give me an opportunity for growth and it I won't say that I'm an expert at it now, but certainly I am far more comfortable with it now that if someone reaches out and says, hey, would you want to be a speaker at a conference? My initial reaction now is not no. Like my initial gut feeling is not no. It's like, this is going to be terrifying. Yes, (laughs) right? Like you have to, and you have to, and that's, that's the most, like when people are saying like, get outside your comfort zone. Like, yes, we all need to do that is it an uncomfortable process? Also, yes. And so if you go into it with that knowing of like, this is going to be uncomfortable and just putting yourself in those situations, it helps you grow beyond what you can imagine. So that now, like, you know, I've been doing my business for four years. So I've been actively working on this public speaking thing for over four years now. And now, like I said, I'm not like a seasoned expert can get up in front of a room of 20,000 people and not flinch. I am not there yet, but I know I can do it and feel nervous but also feel so proud of myself after mm-hmm. and feel like oh, I'm so glad I did that or I'm you know I'm so glad I said yes to that opportunity and I think that's when we think about like really developing our weaknesses or I love the way you phrase them as dormant skills muscles. We don't think of, we just think about the discomfort, right? That yeah. we fixate on the discomfort of developing those muscles. But what we don't factor in is how great it's going to feel to use them, to exercise them, to get better at them, to develop them in the same way that you did. You gave a great example of like working out how, like, if you haven't used that muscle in a while after the workout, that muscle is going to feel like, it's so much pain right because you haven't used it in forever right but then after when you start developing and using that muscle more and more you'll be able to see it build and you'll be like yeah look like look how powerful Mm -hmm. and strong I am so I think it's with anything that we endeavor to do that's outside of our comfort zone we always like our brains naturally fixate on the challenge and how hard it's going to be and you know how uncomfortable and all of those things But I think it's really important to sit down and also do the flip side of that coin and say, but how great is that gonna feel? how awesome is it to be able to put that on your resume after or to share that you went through that experience, right? Like nobody, very few people get excited going on a roller coaster, but everybody loves the bragging rights when you get off of it,
0: right? (laughs) So I
1: I think you got to think about it like that.
0: (laughs) That's such a great analogy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I love that. And it, it really, to me, when I hear, I also I really believe that we're so frightened about public speaking also because we read everywhere that we should be afraid of it and I think part of it is part of this fear is very much induced um Mm. because you know that's the that's the the status quo that's how it should be you should be afraid of it. Uh, and we don't realize that we actually do a lot of public speaking every day Uh, and we don't think about it we don't really think about it and that's why we're not afraid of I don't know running a zoom meeting or a phone call or a meeting or um, going and talking to somebody at a conference or it's you know that's public speaking too it's just not on a stage but, uh, or it's on a different stage. Um, So if we just think about it this way, um, as a way that we can practice public speaking as a gym for public speaking, then it's not gonna be that uncomfortable and that scary anymore because we're used to it. Okay, I'm gonna change the stage. Yeah, fine, right? I I need to adapt maybe to it to the lights, to the stage, how big it is, how many people there are in the room. But other than that, my own skills muscles are going to be warmed up. So I'm not going to feel that uncomfortable anymore. And plus, what happens now is you've actually built on some skills muscles that are now stronger and which can support your other strong skills muscle how cool is that exactly I mean, that's what this meant for you in your career right it helped your career
1: yeah absolutely but I love what you said before about how like, we don't see the we don't see these skills that we're already using for what they are so like you said we a lot of us already do a great deal of public speaking right but it might be like just a meeting with your coworkers and there's five people and you're the one who runs the meeting. Like that's still public speaking. You just don't see it in that lens. And I think you can extend that, uh, that sort of mindset or approach to all skills, because you mentioned this earlier in our conversation is that we have blinders on to what we are good at. It is, we just can't see it. Like we have, it's in our peripheral vision and we are one track mind, Mm -hmm. like you just don't see it. And so when somebody says, well, tell me what you're good at, which is one of the most anxiety inducing like interview questions ever, right? Like, what are your, what are your strengths, right? Like everybody hates that question because A, we don't like being the center of attention. Again, it's, it goes against our wiring, but also we don't, we don't, a lot of us don't have that awareness level to be able to say, oh, this Mm -hmm. is what I'm good at. Because, and you nailed it, is that you take it for granted. You are good at it. And because it comes naturally to you, or it's something that you've learned and developed over time to the point where it feels like it comes very naturally to you. You imagine, you assume that everybody else in the world must be just like that, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, years ago when I worked in, I worked in, um, project management within the advertising industry. And I remember a big, big, huge components of that role were like organization and attention to detail. Like those were critical skills for that role. And I remember when I was thinking like, this isn't the kind of work that I want to do. I'm not happy doing this. I remember saying to people, anybody could do this job. All you need is to be good at organization and attention to detail. Anybody could do this job. Like why am I special? Why did they want me to stay around so much? Because anybody could do this job. And I don't remember who it was. But at some point, somebody looked at me probably was my partner, or my mom, somebody that I was venting to. And they said, No, not everybody is good at those things. And it just that was like a, you know, a smack in the face of just like realizing, Oh, right, like, these skills that I'm good at, are things that I'm good at there are billions of people in this world and we all have a very different set of skills that we do well and so no not everybody could do this job so that skills awareness is it's it is a hard thing to really nail down because it it's not a frame of mind that we're used to thinking of ourselves in. But it's really powerful if you can get clear. And then even more, and I do this exercise with every one of my clients, is we do like a a skills dump, right? It's just like, what are all the things you're great at? It's an activity. It's called baller status. It's like, what are all the things you're amazing at? Just make a list. And then we go back over the list and we go, okay, and this is the real, this is next level self-awareness at this point what are the things that you do well that you would love to never have to do again because we also all have skill sets that we've honed yes. that we don't mm-hmm. enjoy using and so we just keep putting ourselves in roles this is what i did for years i kept putting myself in roles where organization and attention yeah. to detail were the center of the role like that had i had to be amazing at that to be able to do everything else and it just rocked the boat in my career so much because I kept putting myself in these roles that I didn't actually like doing the work in because <laughs> I was using these skill sets that I didn't actually really enjoy using or in the yeah. context that I was using them in. So mm-hmm. there's so many facets. Like, true, becoming aware of your skill set is one level of challenge, which you usually need a great deal of self awareness or some amazing people around you to help you zero in on what those skills are but then doing the second layer of like what are these dormant skills muscles that I would love to be able to improve upon but I've just never been given an opportunity to yeah and also what are these skills that I'm amazing at and I've honed tremendously that I would just love to never ever have to be able to, mm-hmm. like, to do again because you've yeah. all got those too so it's like a trifecta of
0: exactly of clarity you've really got to get around
1: to and that takes time and like yeah. I, I mean I can speak about it now in hindsight looking back on my life like when I was making that career change I don't think that I knew with certainty and clarity that creativity writing and curiosity were the skills that I was using at that time I had that awareness in hindsight right so yeah when we're, when we're talking about these things and of course we're like making it very sound very easy peasy lemon squeezy but it yeah. takes time to develop this awareness about yourself and to come up with this this list of skills and to identify those dormant skills muscles like those things take time it's not an overnight thing that is a process that you you become aware of those things as you live and grow and develop yeah. an experience so the skills list is like a lifelong thing, I want to say. It's really it's just an evolving mm-hmm. document, really,
0: that you just carry with you your whole yeah. life and your whole career. Absolutely. And I love that because without them, you know, serving a purpose, um, it, it really, it really doesn't matter that much what, what skills are strong, what skills are not strong because if we don't feel that they align with they're aligned with where we want to go with how you how we want to use them with how we can make an impact using those skills then that's not that's not going to matter at some point we're still going to ask ourselves that question of is that it it is that all there is to it Yes, uh, we will we're gonna keep coming back right because it's like it's it's just like that <laughs> and I, I and really think that this is
1: yeah this is really I think this is the big missing ingredient from the way that the education system is set up mm-hmm. with the with the working world there's a gap there where the school system is excellent at helping us develop our skills but yeah not great at helping us discover how we want to apply them, right? That values alignment that we were talking about. So, so many people that I work with, and I'm sure you encounter many of these people in your own work as well, is that they feel so unhappy in their work because they have this skill set, but they don't know how they want to use it. And so that's really the conundrum is, is I have this, I have these skills that I've developed for this very specific industry. And then the problem is, and we don't talk about this enough, that skills are transferable. And so- so many people think i have this set of skills a lot of the time they've learned those skills on the job or in mm-hmm. preparation to do that job right which is really what schooling is we learn a skill set we take it into the world the working world helps us hone that skill set even more for that very specific industry and then you become so zoned in on this industry that you're working in yeah. and how you're using that skill those skills in that industry that you you don't realize that this set of skills that you've learned is applicable in so many other ways. And herein lies the feeling of being stuck because yeah. you yeah. have this incredible set of skills and you know what you're good at, right? To a degree, you know what you're good at, you know, maybe how you want to contribute that you're not do, but you can't see outside the box that you're in because our entire society is set up to funnel us into these boxes and it's not set up for us to move outside of them or between boxes if you want to change careers. So almost everybody I talk to, because people reach out to me when they hit this point where they're like, I'm stuck and I'm lost. All I know is what I know. And I don't know how else to do what I know anywhere else in the working world and this is a huge disservice that we're doing to people is not helping them yeah in a workplace mm-hmm. in the education system just in general in society to say hey that skill set that you have could also use it here and what about over here and you could use it way over there too right like to yeah. show how many possibilities there are so that a skill set and we're moving toward now what's called the skills-based economy so your skills are everything that you have to offer the world. And so now it's not, it's not in the traditional form of this is the job description. Do you have the skills to fit within this job description? Now it's employee employers going, what skills do you have to offer? Because we want to use as many of those as possible so that we can employ you on a freelance contract full-time. It's whatever basis, but it's shifting this whole sort of landscape around the value of skills. But the only way that we'll really be able to help people see the value in their skills is if we show them all of the different ways that that skill set can be used outside of what they're currently doing.
0: Yeah. And that is going to take time, but I think we're moving towards that more and more. I think this is why also... We're seeing more people actively looking for that, looking for that link between what it is that they can do, what the, the skills that they have, and what they can do with them, and finding another environment, a, a maybe better environment where they can use those skills. Uh, yeah. And why not, you know, mixed environments? Why not me? <laughs> Being able to use my skills in this environment and in this environment and in this environment, and that helps me help more people feel more fulfilled, and bringing me a better quality of life while bringing other people a better quality of life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, it's a it's a ripple effect when right? you can reach yeah. that level of awareness about your skills and the value that your skills have and how they can be applied in so many different areas, you really get to like do the pebble in the lake and just see the the, the rippling out of all of the people that can be impacted by you stepping into owning and really putting on display this set of skills that you have that I mean, really, and I think skills are are a way. Like, if you're able to demonstrate your skills around other people, it's kind of like you're passing it down to them too, because they can see you using this skill set, and immediately, when you're using a skill set that you love using, and it's something that you feel confident in, automatically people gravitate toward it. Automatically, when you live in your zone of genius. You inspire other people to find their zone of genius. And oftentimes they'll they'll look at you in your zone of genius and say, I want to do that, or I want to be this person, right? So we can never underestimate. Of course, as with anything, it's so important to, to get clarity around these things to improve your life first because when you can do that and you can really develop yourself then you can be a beacon in the world Mm -hmm. right and inspire other people but I don't think we can ever underestimate the value of how important it is to to discover yourself and step into those skill sets yourself so that other people can be inspired by the way that you have shown up in the world like it, it it I think it's one of the most powerful human connections that we have that we don't talk about enough is just how you being you in the world, doing your best work, doing the things that light you up automatically. It's like a smile. It's contagious. People see that and they go, I want that. I want to get there. And so if we bring this back to my story, this is essentially how I became a career coach because I was leaving the corporate world and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go just do my own thing. I'm gonna make my own path. And and people couldn't believe like how nonchalant and chill I was about this because I just reached my breaking point in corporate. So I was like, anything else will be great. But people saw me going out, doing my own thing, you know, standing in my own value and saying, yeah. I know I have more to offer than what I have to offer here and they would say to me and when I was leaving corporate they would say can you help me too can you help me get out of here too mm-hmm. and so it's a perfect example of what we're talking about was I finally stood in my value and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to contribute and I was already doing a lot of these things before I quit I was already freelance writing I was already running the blog so I was utilizing these skills and I was like mm-hmm. you know My value is over here, not in this office, in this cubicle. And so really stepping into that and declaring, like, I am better than what this place has to offer me showed other people that they could have that too. And that is the origin story of how I became a career coach, because I had never considered it until my coworker said, can you help me get out of here too? And so here we are
0: yeah exactly (laughs) but I love what you said about you know the pebble in the lake because basically this is a perfect example of that it's like don't forget that you're the pebble and you just need to find the right you need to find the lake Yeah, the right lake (laughs) (laughs) and the right lake because like you throw a pebble on the ground it's not going to have the same ripple effect right so it's uh Go for and find that environment, and then yes, it's gonna be that's gonna be inspiring, that's gonna make some waves absolutely (laughs) in your
1: own life and the lives of others. Oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah. So, um, and Rachel, thank you so much for sharing all of these nuggets today with us, uh, nuggets of wisdom and, and story of, um what you've seen and how you got to do what you're doing today. I can't let you go before I ask you for an inspirational thought, a word of wisdom that you want to pass on to our audience. They can be a quote, a movie, a song, whatever it is, a book, anything.
1: Okay. Well, it's going to be a book for me because I am a major bibliophile and I love books. They have been the biggest source of transformation in my life and the biggest source of transformation that came in book form for me was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert so it's the subtitle for that book is creative living beyond fear and to give you a little bit of context about why it was so powerful for me was that I read it while I was still working in corporate I actually read it on A holiday. I went to Spain and I took this book with me and I was already in that place of thinking there's gotta be more. I think I want to do something different, but it was still about nine months before I actually made the shift. So I wasn't close to that yet. I was, I was in that place of I'm open. I felt Mm -hmm. open to the universe and just said like, bring me what I need to change my life. That's not, I didn't have that clarity at that time, but I just felt like I was ready for inspiration in whatever form it was going to come in. And it came in the form of this book and I could not put the book down. I could not. I read it in every spare moment of the trip and I planned a jam-packed trip. So I was reading at like 2 a.m., just like cramming this book in. I felt like somebody had finally given me the permission slip that I didn't know I'd been waiting for to Mm -hmm. live the life that I wanted to live. And I came back from that trip and immediately started the blog. It was this pivotal moment where I felt validated in this dream that I had for the life that I wanted to live. And it went from feeling out of reach, impossible, a total fantasy, and then I read this book and it felt every bit as real as the life that I was already living. The only thing that it required of me was courage and I felt like if that's all it's going to cost me I'm willing I'm willing to try and courage takes it takes uh, a lot to muster that sometimes yeah but as we were talking about with you know mastering skill sets the other side of it is beyond anything that you could imagine and every day I am so grateful for that book for having come into existence because every day I look around in my life and I am actively aware that I would not be anywhere close to where I am if I hadn't read the book and so yeah if there's one resource that I could share that was pivotal for me and I hope by sharing it will be pivotal for others it would be Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert
0: and thank you so much for, for sharing that, because that's actually, you know, a piece of magic that um, you gave yourself. So <laughs> yes, that sounded wonderful. Um, so thank you so much, Rachel, for being my guest here on the All Personal Podcast. It was so great talking to you.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was absolutely delightful.
0: So how are you making room for big magic in your life. I loved Rachel's question. What are the things that you do well that you would love not to have to do again? Well, that certainly is one question to look for an answer to. And also what are the things that you would love to do over and over again? And where would you like to do them? Have you found that right lake? where you can throw your pebble to create that magic ripple effect? Because that is, of course, all personal. Until next time.